0: in with it as well julie to and mike stefano with you darren Dreger will join us at at about twelve twenty. kobe cohen at about 105 johnny lazarus at 125 we're going all around the league today because there is action happening and action in the midst of our show yesterday ab when the leafs acquired jake mccabe and sam lafferty kyle dubas spoke about it after you think it's best let's just hear what kyle had to say about the trade and then ab and i will continue to get into it afterwards
1: The thing about all three of the fours that it requires is that they, they've also have proven, you know, Sam more so this year alone than in previous, but with Noel and obviously with with Ryan, that they can they can score and they can score in in tight of the net where we're going to have to find a way and where we haven't found a way in, in key moments in the past. So that's that was sort of the goal.
0: Yeah, he wasn't into the idea of calling it playoff type scoring, those greasy, gritty little goals from in close that become the standard when the playoffs come. The pretty ones don't come so often in the postseason, So he acquired a couple guys that that score goals like that.
2: Yeah, and and look, I think that was like the plan that Dubas had. Clearly he sought out to go and add guys who score those goals because he's right, that that has been what's kind of been lacking of this team. They've been too cute perimeter in the playoffs. They haven't had guys who go to the net and score those greasy garbage playoff goals, and that's exactly what these guys are going to do. That's what Sam Lafferty's going to do. We've already seen O'Reilly go to the net and score a whole bunch of goals, and we know that Nolachari, the one goal that he has right on the doorstep, Box a defender out and pounce on a rebound. How many times we see Toronto get scored on that way by Corey Perry, by Pat Maroon? Like, those are the types of goals that have cost Toronto in the past, and now they've gone out and they've found those players who can finally do that. They're, they're going to trust that their big boys can get those, can, can go out and score. They got to do it, right? Matthews, Marner, Nylander. But those are key goals, too. Like, that secondary scoring Matters Like, obviously it matters that those big boys get going, but those also count. Like, you look at last year, I think they were outscored by the bottom six, eight to three, and that was a seven-game series that ultimately was decided by one goal, essentially, right? Like, if if you get one or two more goals from your bottom six, maybe that's a different series. Maybe Toronto goes through. So you get those guys who have the ability to score in those ways, and that's what Kyle Dubas went and did, adding Lafferty, adding Achari, And obviously get a little more pop-up front with Ryan O'Reilly as well.
0: Yeah, okay, so uh, let's just kind of take a gander at what exactly Kyle Dubas has done to this point, and and we'll talk about it a little bit more big picture. So this is what's come in. Ryan O'Reilly, he's retained at 25%, Achari, McCabe at 50%, Lafferty, and conditional 24 and 25 fifth-round picks. Uh, In terms of what's gone out the door, the physical human beings, Abramov, Anderson, Gaudet, Gogolev, then a whole slew of picks. A fourth rounder in 2025, a third in 23, second 26, second 24, and two firsts, one in 23, and one top 10 protected in 2025. So that's the body of work at this trade deadline. It's definitely the most work that Kyle Dubis has put in ahead of a trade deadline. Uh, Just how do you assess this? Like, did he have a plan and, and stick to yeah. it directly like just how do you assess this whole thing
2: like 100% like like I said like that's exactly what he he wanted to do he wanted to go out he wanted to be you want to make the team harder to play against at the end of the day. Guys who can go to that and score, but also guys who are going to lean on you a little bit. You went, they added beef on that fourth line with dudes like Lafferty, guys like Nolachari who can get in on the four check, right? Like we saw Tampa go out and spend all those picks to go and get out and get Tanner Janot. What's the one thing that people talk about Tanner Janot for? Certainly not his goal scorer, because he only has five of those this year. No, yeah, It's his forecheck and his ability to impose his will and what he can do in a series. Well, Toronto went out and they tried to acquire guys who could also do that. That Nolichari and Sam Lafferty. Like, the speed that those guys have, they can get it on the forecheck. I think that that's important, and, and that's what he wanted to do. Make this team tougher to play against in the playoffs. And I think that's a, that's, that's a testament to kind of how Dubas has evolved as a general manager. Think back to when he first took over this team. It was all about speed and skill, right? He was trading for guys like Dennis Mulligan all the time, right? Like, that was kind of the joke around him. He always went, looked at the fancy charts, and then just blindly, you know, tried to lead them to the promised land, doing it his way. I think he figured it out pretty quickly. That's not how it works in the playoffs. And after six straight first round eliminations from this group i think you finally realized okay we got to add some toughness to this team cuz the ga- the game just gets different in the playoffs you can't just strictly go off of speed and skill you got to have toughness because things get worn down the game gets so much tighter and he went and he added the players who he feels can excel in playoff like hockey like he was talking about this yesterday i think we have the the clip here about the additions helping you know play in the playoffs and helping that scoring style
1: You can go to those areas that are harder of the rink and, and score that way as well. Uh, we know we have guys that can score uh, from anywhere at the top of the lineup. It's finding guys that can chip in uh, more from the bottom and we think, uh, we think Noel and uh, Sam can do that. And then we hope our, you know, we've continued to have our, our own guys in development. McMahon's done that since he's gone back to the Marley. Steve's, is, he, Steve had, Steve's had a lot of chances when he was here and Holmberg as well. So he's trying to find more people like that that can help put us over the top.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a fair assessment and anytime you're in a role you're going to grow in that role. I don't know if it's entirely fair to say. Like I'm just scrolling through Kyle Dubas's um like list of transactions since he started and it hasn't all been Mulgan types. Like he's tried with a couple of of grittier guys um like like Clifford, like uh, I think Muzzin could probably count. Oh, absolutely! I'm him. not saying like, he's I don't never think acquired he's like, those yeah, big players. I don't but, think it's ever been like blindly just like, oh, I'm going to look at the stats page and I like his numbers. And right. I'm a I was Croni being somewhat I'm, facetious yeah.
2: when I say that. So, but you can't tell me that speed and skill was not the ulterior motive in the way that he was originally kind of isn't building it still, his team.
0: Isn't it still speed but, and skill? But
2: there's also an added element of toughness. Yeah, so, and so now I don't you think got it's fair to say, say that can, Kyle Dubas has
0: like changed his philosophy. Mm, philosophy.
2: I don't know. Like, I think he, I still, think he believes still has in the, numbers, the same but... vision
0: around this team. But I, I also think that it has a lot to do with how these guys have played this year. Like They've earned, they've earned Kyle Dubas's work. Because there's been times where Kyle Dubas has made some moves and, and done some stuff for this team. And playoffs have come around. So and the Big Guns haven't performed.
2: Question for you. Did, did they earn it last year when they broke records and you had a guys that, that top line performed the way they were, did they earn it last year? Yes. Now how come they didn't go all in like they did this year?
0: I don't know. There's I think room they now. Jake that Muzzin is, still... they have all that cap room with Jake Muzzin. There's more room this year. Yeah. Was the market more? I'm I'm trying to think back, honestly, as to what the market was like last year, and if there was anything super sexy on the market for the Leafs.
2: Yeah, well, I'm sure they definitely, there's, there's ways to make the team better last year, and it didn't really... Like, they went out but and they haven't got March we been saying all
0: year, like, this Leafs team feels different, this feels different. Like, we had Ray Ferraro on overdrive yesterday, he says himself, like, this team feels different. William Nylander, we've talked all year about how William Nylander has found his maturity. Austin yeah. Matthews, we talked all year about Austin Matthews last year scoring goals, but now all of a sudden he's this defensive guy, and that, that might lend a little bit better to the, the postseason. MVP season.
2: last year, he was perfectly fine last season.
0: Did I ever say at any point that he wasn't?
2: No, but you say like he's, uh, he's evolving as you a player. You can't say
0: that he hasn't evolved since last year.
2: Is he the best player in the world? Is he... He's just as good as last year. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're, we're getting semantics here. I think your point is, is valid when we look at it and they say, like okay, it's, it's time to go all in. But I think it's also just time because there's not much time left with this group. Like There's only two more years left of this window where you have Matthews, you have Nylander, and it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's all in time now. Like now I think is when he realized it and he, he used up a lot of draft capital, a lot of capital to go out and make these deals. And I think that what's different about the trades that he's made this year as opposed to previous years is that these guys seem to be like they, they can be very impactful players. We're in the past... Giordano, he was an impactful ad, but like bringing in Blackwell. Labushkin played a role, but as we talked to, like Jake McCabe, I think he's going to bring a bigger role than, than what Labushkin brought. And I think Ryan O'Reilly is probably the biggest ad that they've had in a long time. So I think we look at the impact of what he's been able to add at this deadline. It really sets them up and it, it, it gives them the best chance to win a championship that they've ever had. And to your point, It is because of the evolution of some of these guys, and they're playing a lot better, and then you insulate that with these new players by bringing in to hopefully put them over the top.
0: Yeah. Like, I
2: agree agree with your your point. I think that Kyle Dubas, though, deserves credit for, in a way, like, changing his philosophy. Not necessarily his philosophy, but he's bringing in different types of guys, I think. Yeah. And that's, like, you look at this fourth line, the way that it's constructed this is probably the best fourth line that he's had, right? I think that's somewhat changing the identity of what he's been able to bring here. And I think it's going to hopefully work out for the team.
0: Yeah, there was kind of a lack of identity. That was our conversation all the time about the fourth line, that it didn't really um, have have a role. And oftentimes it was just prospects. Kyle Dubas said this yesterday. Oftentimes when it came down to it, their fourth line just wound up being prospects that were already in their system as opposed to more capable NHL bodies. So, so they have that now, and it's something that they... I think that was, aside from the big guys not stepping up in the postseason, it's generally been the depth that, that we complain about, not, not stepping up and not matching up well with the other teams.
2: Yeah, 100%. And now you look at it, and I think they do match up pretty well across the board. Lines one through four. Pairs one through three. Like I think that they line up really well. And, and they bring in Jake McCabe yesterday to kind of round out the top four. Why don't we hear from Kyle Dubas? Um and here on what he believes Jake McCabe can bring to the Leafs.
1: I've just always liked how physically he is, competitive he is in neutral zone, and uh, combined with how he can defend and, and move the puck, uh, seems to relish that role. And when we're going through different guys, obviously it's with Jake Muzzin out that creates the, the hole there that we've talked about in previous availabilities and uh, feel like he, he fits that.
2: So Jake McCabe, I feel like like he definitely... Will come in and he'll play a top four role. The question I have for you like, do you think he does fill in for Jake McCabe? Jake Muzzin? Jake, sorry, Jake Muzzin. Well, the name is honestly really good. (laughs) The
0: Jake M thing, yes, check mark. The little bit of a heavier player that I I like that he plays both sides too. That's That's an interesting little caveat. Um,. I don't know if there was a player available on the market that was going to perfectly slot in for what Jake Muzzin brings to the blue line, specifically in the playoffs, because that's when he always... We're thinking about Jake Muzzin. We think about Jake Muzzin so fondly, and for good reason, because he's an awesome part of the defense core, and he he elevates the whole blue line when he's actually in the lineup. But there was a lot of times in season, even last year, he had a bit of a tough year, and then the postseason came around, and he was the Jake Muzzin that the Leafs needed him to be. Solid. So I, I don't know if he's a perfect muzzin replacement, but I think that he was probably as good as it was going to get with the market available. And then just this morning, like, action around, because Gavrikov probably could have been maybe more of a cut-and-paste muzzin replacement. Is that fair? Yeah.
2: yeah, I think so. Like, but, he's got a little bit more snarl to him. Yeah. but
0: And then I saw Pierre LeBrun reporting this morning that apparently, um, like, two... F- Like Gavrikov, the asking price is really high. Gavrikov or Ekholm? Right, that was Ekholm. But the Gavrikov Gavrikov asking price price. has been really high. Yeah, like I like like how they made out what they paid.
2: For for me, also, like when you bring in, you you can't forget about the fact that they got him at fifty percent retained, so he's at two million dollars. And if we want to talk about Ekholm, who probably would have been like, I would say Ekholm next to Chickering is probably the best defensive option out there, and I would say Ekholm maybe even the closest to a Muslim replacement. As we could have, but Ekholm, I think he's making what six point two five. I'm not sure Nashville is willing to retain all that much. There's a couple more years that left on that deal, and they wanted two first round picks for Matthias Ekholm. I think I'd rather have Jake McCabe this year, next year, and the year after at two million dollars. And only have to give up a first and a second. Yeah. like I I think that Kyle Dubas made the right decision. I'm sure he called on Ekholm. I'm sure he called to see what it would take to get a Jacob Trickett and to see what it would take to get a Vladislav Gavrikov, but ultimately felt that, you know, for the cap structure, being able to get Jake McCabe, who can still play like a Muzzin-esque role. He's still going to be in their top four. He can kill penalties. He can block shots. He'll hit you, and he'll make you, you know, it'll, it'll, he's tougher to play against than some of the other guys they have in this lineup. So he can fill a role in that way. He's got a really good first pass, too, which I think is interesting. Travis Yost wrote a really good piece, actually, on TSN.ca, like 40 minutes before the yeah. trade went down, saying how he could be the, uh, the prize of the deadline. Uh, I encourage you guys to, to go and take a listen because it's a really good piece. But I think Jake McCabe, he says that there's, like, some more that could be uncovered on a good team. He's never played with a good team with good forwards, and he wonders, you know, with the way that he can break the puck out and get the puck up to guys like Matthews and Marner and Willie and and now Ryan O'Reilly, like, how much better can he be, all right? Like, he he talks about him being looked at. He should be looked at more as a two-way guy than just a defensive defenseman, but his defensive metrics are also really, really solid, so I think that you look at it and you, you, you get some of the aspects that Jake McCabe, um, or that Jake Muzzin leaves you. Maybe you don't get as much snarl, but I think that he's as close as you're going to get for what you could afford considering the team's cap structure. So you got to tip your cap to Dubas for him getting creative, finding a way to get this done, and getting it done for this year, next year, and the year after. Oh, yeah, they also got Sam Lafferty in the deal as well who is going to improve this team's depth speedy four checker, he's going to make it really really hard to play against, so I, I like this deal, I like what Dubas has done overall, it's been a pretty tidy deadline for him
0: Yeah, the competition is another factor too the competition happening in that bottom six uh, interestingly we're going to have Darren Dreger on in a couple minutes uh, Jake, sorry not Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall wound up on our trade bait board this morning, mm. Alex Kerfoot wound up in our trade bait board this morning, Kerfoot I find a little bit more interesting, just just based on how, and I guess there's a lot of depth at defense now too, but how how guys have kind of just been sliding in and out of the bottom six all year from the Marlies to the press box like it's time to really define what your bottom six looks like yeah and I think this little bit of competition like I'm not gonna be a Pierre Engvall hater in this moment but like (laughs) he can't be coasting out there if he knows that he's got guys on his heels that can take his spot any night
2: well I think uh, these next two games you got to see those two in particular Pierre Engvall And Alex Kerfoot playing the best hockey they've played all year. Because they've got to be looking over their shoulders knowing, like, hey, there's a move that might have to be made with Murray coming back off LTIR. And our cap space, our cap hits, really lend us to being those guys who get moved. And if this is a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations, you want to remain on it. And if you do want to remain on it, you got to make sure that you go out and don't make yourself expendable. Yeah. So I'm looking at those two in these next couple of games. You know, can they earn their spots on this team? Because the decision's going to have to be made on Friday, and uh, we'll get into that uh, and more with Darren Drager. He'll join us on the other side. I'm Mike DeStefano with Julia Tashereau. and the Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.
3: Matthews, done it again. Now back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Just
1: keep it safe. I think every year we're in it with like where we're at right now, we have to give the team the best chance to, to win. For us, it's okay, how do we situate ourselves to best compete? Because just being a fun matchup and being fun to watch isn't good enough for us. It's trying to win.
0: Leasebusters will get you out of your car lease today. It's easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit LeaseBusters. Dot com. Least lunch on TSN 1050, Julie Sherry and Mike Stefano with you, and we're joined by our TSN hockey insider, Darren Dreger, and, and just as we were in commercial break, Dregs, uh, a trade broke, Pooley RV goes to the Canes, so we caught you at an interesting time here.
3: Yeah, and it's, it's funny because we've been talking about this uh, as an insider group at TSN for the better part of the last hour, and, and really what you do now is you start to put the pieces of the puzzle together. You know, as I tweeted earlier, you know, the Oilers and the Arizona Coyotes were pretty deep into a negotiation involving Jake Chickern yesterday. Then it seemed to break off around 5 o'clock Eastern, somewhere around there before game time, the Oilers and the Bruins. But you got to wonder if this isn't obviously setting up for Kenny Holland uh, to add something more significant, whether it's Chickern or Gavrikov or Matthias Ekholm. I mean... You know, no different than Toronto Maple Leafs and every cap team, it's not as simple as cracking a deal. You know, you, you've got to make sure that the dollars work. And especially if we dive a little bit deeper into the possibility of chicken to Edmonton, Arizona has been unwilling to take on contract or salary, right, other than entry-level contract players or prospects or draft picks. So they don't want the dollars coming in. Well, that's a big challenge for the Edmonton owners. So, Fooy going to the Carolina Hurricanes, that's almost equal to the Carolina Hurricanes becoming the Minnesota Wild and, and brokering a deal, I believe. So, you know, this uh, gives Kenny Hall a little bit more financial wiggle room, so it's going to be interesting to see what the next shoe is to drop here.
2: Well, I'm curious, Greg, who you think is the best fit for Edmonton? Because for a while it was Eric Carlson, and you're thinking, well, they're kind of a team that needs, not that Carlson wouldn't help, because he is a m- fantastic player, but you would think that the team, they probably need more of a defensive guy. So of the three that you're thinking who they've been keeping tabs on, is there one that you think fits best for what Edmonton needs?
3: Well, in my opinion, it's Matthias Ekholm of the National Predators. Um, but again, Mike, it's, it's easy to say that from a hockey standpoint. I, I think he would be the best all around fit hockey wise. Um, but there's, there's some risks that come along with that. You know, he's not a young player anymore, still very effective. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a couple of years left after this year at 6.25 million. Again, for a, a first or a second pairing defenseman, not the end of the world, but you, you, know, you gotta be sure that you're going to be able to to squeeze that game out of him. Um, but I think he's the best fit. Now, Nashville knows what they have in Matthias Eckholm, and he's a big part of that leadership group there. So it's, it's not just about the fit. It has to be about what the asking price is. On any three of those defense, you know, if we start with Eckholm and Chickern, you're going to hate the asking price. Nobody has wanted to pay it. And if they were okay with it, Jake Chickern would have been traded months and months ago. Um, Gavrikov, probably the three is the most cost reasonable in terms of what you have to pay in a trade to acquire him. But again, hockey wise, Ekholm would, would probably be priority one aside from Eric Carlson, who just seems like a long shot at this point. It has for me all along. Uh, and then Chikran. So, you know, which one is, is most likely is going to depend on the fit from the structure of the deal.
0: With our TSN hockey insider, Darren Dreger, right now, and and we'll talk about the Leafs in a moment, Dreger. but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about a certain video floating around Twitter. I know things are going to get a little dry on Friday with the way that all the trades have been dropping in the weeks leading up to the deadline. So you've gotten creative. I, I won't ask you too many questions, so to spoil it, but can you tell us a little bit?
3: Uh, about um, your
0: outfit choice?
3: Yeah, well, hold on. Let me just correct you for a moment. I did not get creative. Oh, this okay. was the creative wizardry. I was going to say genius, but this isn't genius. This is just being <laughs> a good enough guy that his buddies don't want to disappoint him. And I'm talking James Duffy here, right? Now, normally speaking, there's no chance in hell I would agree to do this sort of thing. But James has an incredible creative flair. And, and I mean, he's proven that time and time again with some of the the work that he's produced and written and the musicals. I mean, go down the list here. So, for whatever reason, he's one of those guys I can't say no to. So, he knew that it was, you know, like the, the, the influence of the trade deadline and everything that goes into preparation for the trade deadline a week, maybe 10 days ago, was starting to mount. I mean, that's just natural for where the calendar is. He reaches out and says, hey, bud, do you mind helping me out? We're going to shoot this little spoof, fun little video. Uh, this was last Friday. Um, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, I need you to play. pretend like you're playing an instrument. We'll get you in and out, and it'll be fine. So I just said, look, I yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Not a big deal. And here we are. So i just seen the tease, as you've appropriately described. Um, that's one of the costume changes. I had two of them. Ooh. I preferred the first version, which is me in a cowboy hat. However, I have, I have no creative license over any of this. I am nothing but uh, a hired hand. So I'm sort of curious about what the whole package is going to look like. I think it comes out on Thursday, but I'm also a bit fearful because the, you know it's not the stories that we break and the work that we do that is remembered. It's the nonsense that is always. remembered. That's what it is.
2: That's that's always what we remember, right? Hedger getting hit with the with the cannon, and oh, we that got was a all these one. music videos. It's it's. I'm excited to to see what you guys have up your sleeve for that one. It looks like yeah. it's going to be uh, hilarious. Um, Kyle Dubis has been quite active over the last uh, ten days or so, Dregs, and and I'm sure obviously far before that. But how do you assess? The job that he's done here at the deadline, it feels like he's really given this group uh, its best shot to compete for a Stanley Cup championship.
3: Yeah, it really has. Um, you know, when, when you look at the bases that needed to be covered, I think he's more than done that, right? I mean, we've talked a lot about Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Cherry, and Leafs fans have already seen those players play, and they know what they've got. Um, and that's just a higher level of compete, from the top of the lineup up front to the bottom of the lineup, and defensively, two very strong defensive players. So now you bring in Jake McCabe, and you bring in Sam Lafferty, and the same sort of applies. You know, the one thing that Jake McCabe maybe doesn't get a lot of credit for at this stage of his career is how he is seasoned as a defenseman. I know he doesn't have playoff experience, but this guy, because he's been well-coached, has kind of fine-tuned the best part of his game and what he needs to focus on and not doing too much, that sort of scenario, which bodes well for the type of defenseman that he is. And in Sam Lafferty, you're going to get speed. You're going to get competitiveness. You're going to get a little bit of bite. The guy can take face off. There's not much as a bottom six forward. If it's fair to call Sam Lafferty that, that he can't do. So overall, the Toronto Maple Leafs just got better. In fact, I, I would say they got a lot better because of the depth here. Um, and I, I, you know, last two big deals that Dubas has made, both post-trade media availabilities, he's come out and said, "I just want to give our group a chance," and he said it again yesterday. And and good on him. That's his job as general manager. Ultimately, it's going to be up to the core of the team. But the core has now been expanded, and the core needs to include Ryan O'Reilly as part of that leadership group. And you know the other pieces. I'm not, uh, you know, belittling uh, Jake McCabe or Lafferty or Noah Achari, but the core of the Toronto Maple Leafs is strong. Can they do the heavy lifting? Well, we're not going to know that until we get into the playoffs. But guys, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm I'm growing a bit weary, and, and not that it matters to me one way or another. I'm surprised is probably a better way to put it that media, especially, keeps saying, "Well, if the Leafs lose, Dubas is out of the job." How can that be the case? I mean, you know, so so let's just paint the picture here for a moment. Let's say that it gets into a Game 7, and the puck goes off a defenseman, defenseman's backside, and Toronto loses to Tampa Bay in overtime. That's a deal-breaker. Kyle is out. He has, has contract extension. Yeah. I mean, it's... I, I mean... I know that Kyle Dubas and Brandon Shanahan work very, very closely together. I don't know why we insist we have to read into the fact that he's on an expiring contract. That's not new to how Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment do their extending business. It isn't. Of course, there could be a disastrous collapse, of course. Um, and maybe at that point, they go, okay, maybe this didn't work. Big trades, when the assets that went out the door some. I, I mean, i give out a 10% chance. I think I think it'll, it'll, there's a job there for Kyle Dubas as long as he wants it. And based on the work that he's putting in now, I think it's a safe bet <laughs> that he wants to remain a little
2: Oh, I think we might be. Uh, see if we can get back you there, Dregs, because we may have lost you there towards the end of it. But, but I completely agree with that sentiment. Like we've been talking about this a little bit uh, off air. Just like is is Dubis's future still linked to postseason success? And and the way that I look at it is is there really a, a guy who who could do a better job? Like Dubas has done a fantastic job at building this team and putting them in contention for a Stanley Cup. There's not many guys who I think could have done. Uh, you know, the the same level of of job. Like, Dregs, is there somebody else who could even do a better job than what Dubas has done? Because he's done pretty well for, you know, the hand he was given when he started this thing.
3: Yeah, you know, look, I mean, it's impossible to say, right? I mean, it all depends on on whether or not it all comes together. I'm not backtracking here even a little bit, but look, it's pretty obvious that this group is on the same page. And that's not just, you know, Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas and Brendan Pridham who Brendan Pritham who never gets credit for these things but he does so much of the contracting and the cap work in, in you know behind the scenes it's it's hockey operations and that would come with the support of the board Maple Leaf Sports and, and Entertainment um, but look i mean Toronto the fan base the organization is very hungry for a championship you know, they're counting on obviously winning around and going as deep as they can in the playoffs. But look at how the East stacks up here for a moment, right? Um, on paper, on paper, I think you could build an argument that the Toronto Maple Leafs are as good or better than the Tampa Bay Lightning, with the exception of one primary piece. Mm. And that's Andre Basilewski. Um You know, again, he's proven that this guy can absolutely be a game-changer. I'm not saying that... Ultimately, that's going to be Toronto's Achilles' heel. Let's see how it plays out. But the proof is in the pudding, and we've seen the proof in Andre Vasilevsky and what he's capable of. But what more can any general manager do with, you know, the 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 restraint of the salary cap and everything that Dubas and company have had to maneuver to land the pieces that they have landed? I mean, you know, if if he'd have stopped or had to stop at Ryan O'Reilly and Noah Charry and then added some depth pieces, I think that everybody went, "Oh, you know what, leading up to the deadline, that's pretty good work. Instead, he doubles down and brings in two pieces that are significant, significant adds. So, I mean, look, I, you know, he's a smart guy. You don't need to continue to pump his tires yeah. by any stretch. But there are so many smart, capable general managers who aren't general managers Like AGMs, go down the list. So Kyle is in good company.
0: Yeah, I saw Adam Wilde tweet something yesterday to the effect of Cal Dubas is the Leafs' most coveted UFA this summer. <laughs> I thought it was good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With our TSN wow. Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger right now. Okay, let's get into the the little dance that we're going to have to do with the cap now that all this <laughs> is a thing. I believe the Leafs are about a million over once Murray gets activated from the LTIR. So does that mean there's more moves here to come, Dregs? What are their options? Well,
3: well, how could we say no? I mean, you can't, right? Because of, of what Toronto has done. Uh, I, I mean, they're not going to do anything nearly as substantive as they've already done. Uh, could I see some depth moves? Sure. Could I see Dubas try and recruit some of the, uh, the draft picks that he's had to move out in these two big deals? Yeah, I could. Who does that come at the expense of? And honestly, that's where it gets interesting. You know, I, I've seen the speculation, and I've talked about it myself, so I'm not, you know, <laughs> wagging a finger at anybody here. But, I, you know, I see that, uh, uh, some of the names that are out there, like Alex Kerfoot, uh, David Camp, Justin Hall. I mean, go down the list. You're talking about contract guys, right? Um, Camp does make a lot of sense to me because of, of you know, kind of the unique skill set. He's a specialized player defensively. So then you end up with Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerflin. And, you know, somebody would make a legit offer on one of those two to give the Toronto Maple Leafs a little bit more comfort with the cap. I think they'd have to consider. I think they'd have to consider. But, you know, there's other ways as Toronto has proven time and time and time again of not manipulating the cap but working the cap to your favor. And that's where Pridham and some of the others who are on top of this hour by hour are as good as anybody in the business.
2: I look at this team, too, and I wonder, like, I was just, you know, going cap-friendly, putting together lineups and whatnot, and I thought to myself, like, where does, where does Matthew Nyes fit into the equation here? Because, you know, the way that they've added so much up front, there's so much depth here. Like, does, is he still part of the equation, you think, for, for this season for Toronto Dregs?
3: You know, but but there also shouldn't be a high level of expectation. Um, The only expectation I have is that he's going to sign his NHL contract as soon as his school year is done, right? And then after that, you know, all bets are off. You know, could there be injury? Could there be opportunity? Of course they could. But just being around the big club is going to be a terrific experience for Matthew Nice. And, look, I understood the speculation um, involving, you know, his trade potential, you know, early in this process. Uh, I didn't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. And this was pre Ryan O'Reilly, Nola, Chari, McCabe, and Lafferty. You know, when when you're going into this time of year, you've got to be willing to part with some legit assets to make contact with the ball in the fashion that Kyle Dubas has done in the players that he's already acquired. And he did it with draft picks. And yeah, you know, there's some players involved and things like that, some prospects. But he, he kept the most coveted and that's Matthew Nice. So I I think that they just want this kid to focus on finishing out his college career, right? Go out on a high, sign your NHL contract, and then they'll welcome him with open arms. But there's no guarantee of how he fits in at this stage.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that shakes out once he's done and does sign his ELC. Uh, I'm just looking at our updated trade bait board now that Pooley RV is no longer on it. Dregs, and Patrick Kane still hilariously at the top, though uh, as it was put <laughs> by Chris Johnston this morning on First Up, he said he's spoken for already. I thought that was hilarious. Could today be the day we officially see Patrick Kane become a Ranger?
3: I don't think so. I, I still think that there's some, some calf work that needs to be exercised, so it'll it'll likely drift into... Evening, maybe even as late as Thursday. I mean, it's a weird one, right? It's unfortunate because he's such a big part of what we've been speculating on for several months now. You take Jonathan Taves out of the equation. I mean, look, everybody hopes the best for for Jonathan Taves and and you know his return to good health. And then you left with Patty Kane and speculation around the hip. Would he he wave? What was he going to do? Um and and then you you know, you start seeing the pieces of the New York Rangers pie fall into place. And you know, you like, okay, well, obviously Kane has waived. Obviously he has. So it's it's kind of fallen by the wayside. And that's unfortunate because he was such again a big part of the storyline and the intrigue of the two thousand twenty three potential uh NHL trade deadline. And that's not going to be the case. Uh, It'll get done before Friday. That I know.
2: Yeah, it's like it, it. It felt like it would have been, you know, headline news. Oh my God, Kane finally get yeah. dealt, and now it's yep. same similar to the Chickering situation. It's like okay, there's fatigue with this yeah. one, or it's like we know where he's going, and when it happens, it's just formality. I am curious, though, Dregs. Last one before we let you go. Any intriguing yeah. names kind of popping up late in the process here? That's gaining steam uh, around the league between now and Friday.
3: Ah, uh, not really. I mean, there's been one that that kind of has gone gotten thrown back into the mix, and that's Tyler Bertuzzi with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh-huh.
2: Um,
3: you know, a week ago, we talked about on an insider trading that they likely the weren't going to trade him because they wanted to give that group in Detroit the opportunity to push for a playoff spot. Um, things have not gone well over late. They lose last night to Ottawa. They've got another one tonight against the Ottawa Senators. And if you don't have the appetite to re-sign Bertuzzi, whatever that number looks like, why would you let them walk into free agency for free? And, and, guys, this is the one scenario. You know, you've asked me before about, well, you know, Boston did, did this. Does that encourage Toronto to go out and add? You know, that's what we do, right? This is the one scenario where that makes sense. You're the Detroit Red Wings, and you're looking at what Toronto has done. You're looking at how Boston has improved. You're looking at Tampa Bay, what they've done. You just have to realize that even though you might have enough to qualify for the playoffs, what are your chances of beating those three in the Eastern Conference? Wow. It's not very good. So not Iserman's first rodeo. So um, word out there is that he'd like to get a first in something for Tondra Bertuzzi. And another name with the Red Wings that I've got circled on my notepad today is Philip Savina, And mm. that name has kind of been out there loosely in the past. Um, and he's interesting for me. 23-year-old, wear 1.825 salary cap, so an affordable term, affordable number. Uh, feels like he needs to change the scenery, so we'll see. I'm watching Detroit here.
2: Yeah, which means he'll probably end up in Vancouver. That seems to be where most uh, change of scenery guys end up. Yeah. Uh, all kidding aside, there. But I appreciate the chat as always, Dregs. Just a couple more days, pal. A couple more days, uh-huh. and then you can get some good sleep over the weekend and a nice. Cold hard beer. Come what five six p.m. <laughs> Friday, you'll deserve it.
3: All right, guys. Thank you. Have All a right. great week.
2: You as well. There he is, Darren Dreger, TSN hockey insider. Man, those guys are going to be so busy. They've already been busy. Like it's been the last like seventy two hours has been insane. Like yeah. Sunday, there's deals going down. Yesterday, obviously, with the McCabe coming to Toronto, and then we just see Pujarvi, and now it sounds like as. Dreg's put it, could be setting up for something else for Edmonton. One of the bigger defensive pieces. So there's so much going on right now, which is uh, which is which is awesome. It's what we want. Like we were talking about this no more than a month ago. Like earlier this month when the NBA trade deadline was popping off and it was taking up all the oxygen in the room. That's all anybody wanted to talk about on all these sports shows. And now it's NHL's turn and they're actually there's been a lot to talk about. There's yeah. been a lot of good deals and and some big names that are getting moved. It's it's exciting. It, it really is exciting to see.
0: Yeah. Did you feel Did you feel for Connor McDavid at all last night? He had 50. I know the team didn't win, so he was just so crunchy post game talking about the fact that he hit 50 goals. Like, was that get me a defenseman or I'm gonna scream <laughs> my head off? I put 50 goals up tonight, and it doesn't even matter.
2: Yeah. It's it's he did. Like I saw the the intermission interview too, which was funny, and he's just like, oh, 50s, like yeah, I, sure, yeah, cool. <laughs> it's a good number, I yeah. suppose, but, like, we're down and we need to win this game. Then they asked him afterwards. I think we have the audio for what he said uh, What he said afterwards. All right, let's play it here.
3: Hitting 50 goals is a big deal for, for any player. I mean, the situation isn't great, but that's, that's a pretty major
1: milestone. Uh, yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice number. <laughs> <laughs> what, did he, what did he say to you when it came over after your 50th? Well, welcome to the club.
0: Yeah, so he, yeah, he did nice not number. seem overly chipper last night. They lost the game. It was unfortunate. It was a good game versus Boston, though. But coming yeah. off the loss to Columbus, not overly. And it's nice I, I when other teams lose to Columbus, too.
2: <laughs> yes, it is very nice <laughs> when that happens. But I was listening to uh, to to kind of the, the full McDavid scrum last night after the game. And, you know, he did take some positives out of it, which is good, obviously. Um, he's like, well, look, like, we, we were right there with the best team in the, in the National Hockey League. Like, it was a 3-2 game. It was yeah. tight. They were right there. There. They were close. So, yeah, like you get that, that one piece on defense. Does that make you like one of the front runners in the West? Because we know how deep the East is. The West, nothing's going on out there. Like, nothing. There, there's like Nino Niederreiter, I think, is the best team that has gotten traded within the Western Conference. Like, the Jets adding Nino is probably the best one. Yep. Evgeny Dadanov is probably, you know, looking like a, a really good piece that uh, that Dallas added. And and that's not in Barbershop, but he stayed in the West like they're just there's no big movement going on out there so for Edmonton all all it will take is like one big move on the blue line you know what you got up front you've got one of the best offensive players in the history of hockey like yeah. and that's also to go along with Evander Kane, Leon Draisaitl like they've got these pieces Zach Hyman's having an unbelievable season you get a blue liner you shore up that top 4 you hopefully help out your goaltending which has been suspect again of late and then you have a chance to uh, to finish what you started last year. You made a push to the conference final. You get yourself a, a blue liner, give you a chance in that Western Conference, which is wide open. So yeah, that is definitely a team that uh, I think is probably sitting there thinking, "We got to do something." Yeah, got to do something. I, I thought it was really interesting though that he mentioned that Detroit and Steve Eiserman looking at what's going on in the East, and we talk about Toronto and Boston and Tampa saying like, "Okay, we got to keep adding to keep up with the Joneses," whereas you look at Detroit and Dreg saying seems like they realize okay, we're we're not even close. Well
0: that's interesting to me so based to on step. like that game with these two games. So they played Ottawa last night, they play Ottawa again tonight, yeah. it's back to back and it's really pivotal in terms of the they wild got, card race. They like
2: got dusted last night. They got they absolutely dusted. That game was that kinda
0: game. fun though. Brady Kachuk oh, yeah. going, firing up the benches.
2: Well, this this, this, is, so, this is Ottawa's season on the line in, in these two games against Detroit. Like, if they dropped these games, they're out of the playoff race. Yeah. They win these games, now they're tied with Detroit, and they'd only be, what, a few points back, I believe, of a playoff spot. That's they, what if I mean, though. Tonight, like, isn't it
0: weird that Detroit's waving their white flag before Ottawa after that one game
2: last night? But I think Detroit just realizes, like, like, Masai said this a couple of years ago, um... I think it may have been the, the Kyle Lowry trade deadline potentially. Yeah. And and he said play in for what? Like we're not gonna compete for a championship. So why bother adding to and then he went and he added Jakob Pertle this year. Yeah. Kinda went against the grain, but still like it's I think it's it's a good point. Play in for what? Why would we keep this team and maybe hurt its future for what, four, I know. four games? Like, I feel
0: like for Ottawa. Detroit, and if
2: Detroit limps in, they're going to play Boston. That's a waste of eight days. No, yeah. Right?
0: But I think the difference is that Detroit has at least had some marginal success lately. Yep. Like in the past five.
2: Yeah, they rattled off like four year. or five wins. Oh, no. No, I mean like as games.
0: an organization, they have some good energy around them. Like it, yeah, th- they're building the, well. The stress is a little bit less. Stevie less. some um, less. Heavy than it, like would, be Ottawa, it yeah. would be on Ottawa and it would be on Buffalo. Like, Ottawa and Buffalo, Absolutely. I think it actually, like, playing for what? Like, playing to like, keep some fans and keep good energy. Like, I feel like Ottawa and Buffalo actually have a play in for what reason?
2: Yeah, I think there's, there's more pressure on those teams to.
0: Like, they live in and they get a playoff spot and they, they have a waste of eight days, and I feel like it's all happy and smiles in Ottawa.
2: That's what the fan base wants. Steve Iserman, he knows what he wants. Yeah. There's a different level of success for him because he's on a different level, right? <laughs> So I think for him, it's it's you know four or five games in the playoffs means nothing to me. If I can flip out Tyler Bertuzzi, get a first round pick. If I can flip out Zadina, get a second round pick or another prospect, then I think uh, you know two years from now that'll serve me better than if Bertuzzi ends up walking. Yeah. So it, it, it makes sense, and and uh, that's an interesting new name that's kind of hitting the trade board where a week ago it seemed like they were going to keep him. Uh, all right, uh, coming up. On the show, we saw Colby Cohen from out in uh, out in Chicago. He'll join us and kind of break down this trade a little bit more. See what we're getting in Lafferty and Jake McCabe, and then Johnny Lazarus going to join us at 125. That should be a fun chat. I'm Mike DeStefano with Julia Tashery. Listen, Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.
0: Leafs lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards, available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. The Leafs are in Edmonton tomorrow night, in Calgary after that. But they took the extra night in Seattle on this western road swing to take in a Bruce Springsteen concert.
2: 1,000% he played 10th F. Oh, yeah. 1 billion percent. This is probably top 3 spring scene song for me. Oh
0: yeah.
2: I adore this tune. This is this is a good song. This song, I would say Glory Days is up there. Uh, my favorite song of all time here is ready. Oh, what a jam. Is it this one? Uh, this is, this oh. is probably my third best song. No, my favorite song is is not it's a slow song, so it's not one so that is we mine. probably the It's going to be the
0: same. We're going to be... The th- River? Oh, no. Mine's Thunder Road. I love okay.
2: Thunder Road. Okay, Thunder Road's a great tune as well. The River, for me, I love it. I actually... One. So I went to a Springsteen concert, maybe 2017, maybe 20-something. It was actually, like, three days ago. Like, I got a memory or whatever. Oh, on, really? Yeah, on, on Facebook. It was, like, three days ago, like, four or five years ago. And uh, so I, I heard him play... Well, play the song live, The River, and it's always been a favorite song of mine, but it actually like made me go out and buy a harmonica. Wow. And lo- try to learn that song on the harmonica. So if I had the music in front of me, I could somewhat do
0: it. Okay. It's very
2: easy actually to learn the harmonica. It's just like blowing in and out and there's little just like ten little bars that you can do. So yeah. you're just kinda sliding across or whatever. But um yeah, I, I I haven't done it in a long time, I'll say that. I definitely not something I kept up with. So I probably would need another couple of weeks to to try it again. But at one point I could do a semi okay version of uh, of the river on the harmonica.
0: Okay. Yeah. I've spent to a few Bruce Springsteen concerts. They've all been uh, in like my best. dad's truck or in my dad's garage but they still <laughs> okay. can't. Like all time me and Bruce have a little bit of a love hate thing going on because One time, the the very day that I was leaving first year university, I dropped my phone in a Chipotle. I the Chipotle right by Ryerson University, and it was at one of the high top tables, and it hit the bottom of it. It destroyed the phone long. Gonzo. I had no phone for the drive home.
2: All the way up to T Bay.
0: Seventeen hours, me, my dad, and Bruce Springsteen. Oh. And no, like not even like an Instagram scroll. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing to entertain myself with. But but. Yeah, we by hour 15, Bruce and I were kind of on the rocks, but the first 10 hours we were rocking.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I've always been a big, uh, big Bruce fan. So the boys were there last night, and I kind of jokingly threw this out on Twitter, and I'm like, Is Bruce gonna be this team's version of Gloria? Yeah. Like what? What? Uh, what song? Would you want to be this team's version of Gloria? And there were some good answers too that I got. Um, Badlands, I got Badlands. A lot of people. Glory Days was definitely a, a good song. Like tenth Ave for me would be a great one. Like it's it's a good jam that you can kind of dance to, and, and it's 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 a exciting tune. Yeah, I would say as well. Obviously, Born to Run got a lot of love. Great one. Born in the USA. Like there's there's a lot of really good tunes by uh, by the boss out there. Uh, all right. I don't know. Do we even have? To, we might not have time to even talk about these these graphics. <laughs> I think we we spent a lot of time talking about uh, Bruce Springsteen. I mean, he's a boss, so yeah. it makes sense. that we allotted that time, and it's you know that's that's where the Leafs were at last night catching Maybe it's the game. Rally and cry. I'm hoping so. I really am hoping so. Instead of saying play Gloria, someone said play Glory Days.
0: Okay, there. Nice one.
2: Nice there one. It is. Let's see. All right, I will. Uh, what was that? Uh, come on the mic. Say what you just said, Josh. Yeah, I just wanted to update. Uh, Bruce Springsteen's actually here in Toronto, what? November fourteenth and sixteenth. Oh, that's a at while Scotiabank ago. Arena. <laughs> yeah, nice. nice, very nice. So, are you picking up tickets right away? Is that it? There's a good chance that uh, my mother would probably be grabbing tickets, and then I'll get a text saying, "Hey, you want to go?" They're three hundred dollars. And I'll probably reluctantly have to say yes, of course. Probably, it's worth the price. If yeah. like, if you can even get tickets, because like that's a hell of a show. Like Bruce and the E Street Band,
0: hell. Getting tickets of a to show. any concert now is like the Hunger oh, it's, Games. It's
2: it's pulling teeth. I still can't believe you got tickets to.
0: Taylor, it was actually my friend, In but there was like Crazy. eight of us trying to get tickets, and only one of us did.
2: Insane, absolutely insane. Back. Which is. Okay, I got another ticket. Let's get, let's get oh, back. God. I got a Madonna story for you on the other side <laughs> and what we did for my parents back in the day. So I'll share that story on the other side. We'll also have Colby Cohen, former defenseman and Chicago Blackhawks analyst on. And then uh, Johnny Lazarus is going to join us also at 125. I'm Mike DiStefano with Juliet Descheri. listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.